The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. vegan for 30 days. You have nothing to lose. Colleen Patrick Goudreau is the person who said that quotation and she wrote it down and she believes it with all her beautiful heart. And she happens to be here with us for our appetizer portion of the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm Victoria Moran. Such a pleasure to have you with us today and such a pleasure to be bringing on Colleen. I was thinking the other day, that when I was a kid, now I'm co- totally going to date myself, but one of the big junk food companies had this really annoying little ditty, this little song, and it went, everybody doesn't like something, but nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. And I thought, in the vegan world, we could resurrect that and say, everybody doesn't like something, but nobody doesn't like Colleen. <laughs> Colleen Patrick Goudreau is an inspiring speaker, the creator of the life-changing 30-Day Vegan Challenge, and the award-winning author of six books, her website is CompassionateCook.com. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you, Victoria. That's adorable. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And I know that you're doing something new and interesting and innovative. Tell us. Well, are you talking about the Indiegogo? I am. And the resurrection of the 30-Day Vegan Challenge. 
Indeed, that's exactly what we're doing. So for those who don't know what Indiegogo is, it is a website like Kickstarter that enables people to crowdfund for a particular product or project. And because it has been a couple years since the 30-Day Vegan Challenge book has been out of print, I was desperate to bring it back. And so instead of bringing it to another publishing company, and giving away my rights, um, you know, licensing, and not being able to do it exactly the way I wanted to do it, according to my vision, and according to what I know works, I decided to go to our community of amazing people and raise the funds to produce this book. And so it ran through pretty much through the month of May, and it it overfunded, which is fantastic. Overfunded by by over twenty thousand dollars. So we have. Woohoo! A, I love overfunded. Yeah, <laughs> a, overfunding is good. Overfunding enables me. I'm looking at the prices right now to print each individual copy, and you know this is the kind of thing. This is what you. This is why you do go to a publisher because they take care of those costs. But there are costs associated with that, and you know you have to decide what what do you want to give up in order to not have to worry about those costs. And I chose that I not to give anything up this time around. And so with the money that came in from this co- campaign, I am funding the the book. I mean, the photography, the editorial process, the the printing of the book itself. And and I and I get to do it exactly the way I wanted to. So I'm I'm so grateful and so excited about it. Oh, I love that. And I'm working on a book called The Good Karma Diet. And when I think about good karma and I think about you and all the great work you do in the world, well, of course you were overfunded. Why not? That's just the way the universe is supposed to work. So tell us about the 30-Day Vegan Challenge. What is it? So, you know, there is the 30-Day Vegan Challenge online program. It's really sweet because people would write and say, I want to be vegan, so when's the book coming out? And I'd say, January, but you don't have to wait to be vegan until the book comes out. Of course, there are plenty of other resources, including Main Street Vegan. There's also the online program. So people can go to 30dayveganchallenge.com right now and join and start. And so the principle behind it is that, you know, just stop for long enough to be able to recognize your habits. I mean, a lot of people say, I, you know, I want to try it. I want to give it a try, but I don't think I could do it forever. And my theory is, well, then try it for 30 days. And in that time, I'm going to hold your hand and give you everything you need and answer every question you have. You know, we both have been doing this for a long time. and We know what the roadblocks are for people. We know what the challenges are for people. We know what the questions are. And answer all those questions to guide people. And then the idea is that at the end of 30 days, you've got a really strong foundation to stand on. You've got the tools you need. You've got the resources. You've got the answers to the questions. You've got, you know, fabulous recipes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. I mean, I know that sometimes people do this for a short time. They consider it a cleanse. I always think that's so funny. Mm-hmm. If this is a cleanse, then I have been cleansing since You're 1983. Really Right. <laughs> this is clean living. And and sometimes, I mean, we had the Beyonce thing a couple of months ago where she and Z- Jay-Z did their 21 days. But I'll bet that most of those people who do 30 days with you do this a day at a time forever. You know, I can only speak to the anecdotal data that I have. And 
I do know that this does really give people what they need. So I, my, you know, my whole theory is I don't, I'm not going to ask you any questions. You don't have to tell me whether you want to do it for 30 days or you want to do it forever. I don't care. I just want to give you the resources to do it, right, to just answer the questions you need. And so I do know that it's kind of like I really I use the Karate Kid analogy. You remember that movie, The Karate Kid? Sure. I don't know if you remember this, but so he was training with this, you know, this Japanese master and he was given these odd jobs and he was like, why am I waxing your car and why am I painting this fence? It's so stupid. It's so unrelated. And then what happened was he was, you know, he's, he said, okay, well, you know, he, th- he threw a punch at him and he was able to block him with the move that he had learned when he was painting the fence. And he went to kick him and he went to block him with the move that he had learned from waxing the car. And he realized that the, that the lessons he was learning all along the way became integrated and natural and effortless when he needed to use them. And that's really what I see the 30-Day Vegan Challenge like, is by the time you're then done with the 30 days, you go out in the world and you go, oh my gosh, I now have the information. I didn't even know it was in me. I didn't know the answer to that question was in me. I didn't know that food or menu item or whatever it was was in me. And now I can keep doing it. And I think that's, that is what it does for people. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And I think people feel better too. We had Robert Cohen on a few weeks ago. And I mean, he just walks up to total strangers and challenges them to give up dairy. And I didn't realize that was literal until one of the doormen in my building said, I did it for five days. I said, you did what for five days? He said, well, you know, you know what that guy said to do, not have dairy. <laughs> I, I said, love it. I said, did you feel better? He said, yeah, I felt really great. And then I brought him some tree-lined cheese just to be nice because somebody visiting me had, you know, <laughs> strong-armed nice. him into into doing something. But I'm sure people do this for 30 days. And then on so many levels, don't you feel like it is kind of to use that word cleansing like a soul cleansing too? Well, absolutely. You know, it's the people who say, you know, I... I, I you know, I don't eat a lot of meat, dairy, and eggs. People, everybody says that. None of us, when we say I'm vegan, I've never heard anyone not say, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't eat a lot of meat. I'm kind of vegetarian. I don't, you don't know how much you eat until you stop. And so it gives you that time to just change your habits because that's literally what it is. And then the benefit is that at the end, don't listen to me. Don't believe me. You don't have to believe me. And certainly I'm not making promises. I don't make promises about about the outcomes because they're so numerous and they're so beyond what we can measure in many ways. And there are some that we can measure. And you can go to your doctor and you can get those numbers so you can measure in the before and after 30 days. But the best the best, the best gauge, if this works or not, is how you feel at the end of that 30 days. And that's what I think compels people to keep, to keep going because it feels so good, yeah, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And then you, with the website and, and with the book, give them the reasons why. And there are just so many plus recipes. I don't know how you come up with all these fabulous recipes, but that is another one of your gifts. So just in this last minute before we go, what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh, that's so funny you said that because we're leaving to go out of the country on Friday and I'm thinking, what do we have in the house tonight? My husband's coming home for dinner. He's been out the last couple nights at meetings and I thought, what do we have? So I actually, right before I got on the phone with you, I put some new potatoes in a pot with some water. So I'm going to steam uh, some potatoes and we've got some kale in the garden and I've got some tofu in the freezer that I'm thawing. So 
So I guess we're having potatoes and kale and tofu. You know, that just sounds very American. And (laughs) in 50 years, it'll be the norm. Colleen, thank you so much. When can we expect the new version of the 30-Day Vegan Challenge book? Planning for a January 2015 release. Ah, wonderful. New year, new everybody. Thanks ever so much. The website is again, please. Well, you can go to joyfulvegan.com okay. and you can also okay. go to 30dayveganchallenge.com. Okay. All right. You're, you're just tearing up the web, 30dayveganchallenge.com. <laughs> and is it the Joyful Vegan or just Joyful Vegan? Joyful Vegan. Joyfulvegan.com, which you are. Happy travels. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Victoria. And- Take care. You too. And everybody else, stay with us because we are going to go somewhere where this show has never gone before, into the realm of the mystical, the psychic, and meet a vegan animal communicator. Stay with us. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday. Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. Such a pleasure to be here with you today. All our wonderful guests, our engineer Jeff Comfort, and standing in the background there at the Unity Studio out at Unity Village, Missouri, is the boss, Jeremy Samborski. Did I say that right? Kind of, sort of. See, I've already gotten uh, negative brownie points with the boss. But anyway, it's great to have you all around and about. Um, Unity Online Radio is just such a, a wonder in the world. So many fabulous programs. I hope that you will check out all the other ones as well. And if you uh, find it in your heart to want to send them a donation to keep all these great things going, I know they'd appreciate that. Let me tell you really quickly where I am going to be coming up. And if you're in any of these parts of the world, would love to see you in person. This weekend, Saturday, June 14th, 2014, Veggie Fest Hamilton up in Hamilton, Ontario. And the following Saturday, June 21st, 2014, Richmond, Virginia for the Richmond Vegetarian Festival. And then coming up July 3rd, Vegetarian Summerfest in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's the 30th anniversary of what we like to think of as summer camp for vegans. So if you're in that area near Pittsburgh or if you're just looking for a getaway this summer, do check out Vegetarian Summerfest. It is such a hoot. And it's a place where so many of us gather People that you've heard on this show, people whose books you've read, they're all going to be there and they're all going to be hanging out and wearing shorts. And it, it really, really is like camp. And then later in July, on Friday, July 25th, 2014, I will be at the Linwood Washington Unity Church out there near Seattle. That is Reverend Richard Hell's Church, Linwood, Washington, speaking on a Friday evening for their Friday evening speaker series about living a charmed life. That's one of the other things I do in addition to living a vegan life. Uh, I'm the charmed life lady, and I've got books like Creating a Charmed Life and Living a Charmed Life. So if you are out there in the far northeast, do come by and say hey. And right now, I would like to introduce you to my special guest for the program, Kathy Landry. Kathy is a psychic medium, an animal communicator, an angel intuitive, and a vegan. She is a psychic medium for both humans and animals, a professional animal communicator, all species, and an angel intuitive with 22 years of experience. She's been an ethical vegan and an activist for all animals for 14 years. She's utilized her intuition while a volunteer dolphin Dolphin caretaker with a marine mammal stranding network and also a volunteer animal rescuer for two months in the ground zeros of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. She's also a composer and a recording artist and she's got fans and endorsers like Mark Victor Hansen, 
Barbara DeAngelis, John Randolph Price. In other words, she is quite a woman in this world and several others. Welcome, Kathy Landry. (laughs) Thank you, Victoria. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I am very happy to be having you because I believe that what you do actually spans my two fondest one being veganism and animal rights, and the other being what it all means. You know, what life is about, the whole spiritual purpose for being here, and what's possible. There, There's some things that humans can do that a lot of people just say, oh, that, that, that couldn't possibly be. Well, why not? How did you get started? Well, actually, um, I started doing some sort of basic intuitive work um, some years ago, about um, 20 years ago, several years actually before I became vegan. Um, and it really was just some work that I was doing connected with doing you know, some healing-oriented work with music where I would have intuitive perception come to me and I would uh, share with the person. But it wasn't highly specific yet. Um, but I was doing some of that. And then a couple of years after that, um, my beloved cat transitioned um, in a way that was very traumatic to me. And I went into a very deep state of grief. And he communicated with me very profoundly and on an ongoing basis. And so that was a 360-degree turn. Um, but um, that was a communication with him. So it was a psychic medium experience for sure and animal communication as well. Um, but I wasn't yet communicating with um, other animals or, you know, other humans or animals who um, had transitioned. Um, so really where it really took off for me and everything accelerated and really started to make sense. And like you said, the incredible interconnectivity and the, the beauty and the depth and the purpose of that was really when I became vegan. Now, this is so interesting because in this new book that I'm working on, The Good Karma Diet, I put out a call for people's good karma stories. If they just wanted to write to me and and tell me what happened for them that they interpreted as good karma as a result of going vegan. And I thought I was going to get a lot of, I lost weight, my cholesterol went down. Well, I got some of those, but I also have stories like a novelist who got over writer's block a woman who was finally able to fall in love. It, these different sorts of things that, that just seem to transpire, and I know that the skeptics would say, well, you don't know that that's cause and effect. Well, no, but you know, if it feels like cause and effect, that's good enough for me. I just want to share, Kathy, how I was introduced to animal communication, because there might be some regular listeners who are saying, wait a minute, I started listening to your show because I like it when you bring on the medical doctors and the biochemists. So where does all this come from? But I I was dating a fellow back in, in the 90s who had, before I knew him and before he became vegan, um, racehorses, thoroughbreds for that um sport, which I don't think it maybe even deserves to be called a sport. There's a lot of abuse in that industry. But before he understood that, that was something that he did. And he wanted to breed a particular mare with a particular stallion, and she would not do it. He would put her or they would put her with this horse. And she was just like, no, no way. This is not my guy. And he had heard of a woman in his area who was a a, human psychic and evidently was pretty good at that. So he called and asked if she would come and try to communicate with this horse, which she had never done before. 
but she said she would do her best. And, and she said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm getting and I may just be making it up. I just don't, don't hold me to this. But what I'm getting is she's saying she's not averse to being bred, but she's in love with a different horse. And if you would put her with that horse over there, all would be well. And so they did. And, you know, a bouncing baby foal emerged <laughs> as a result. And, and then I did a, um, a story about animal communication for the old East West Journal. And I was sitting talking to a woman on the phone. This was before we had Skype or FaceTime or any of that. She couldn't see what was going on with me. And as I'm taking my notes, my cat at the time jumped up in my lap and she just stopped her sentence and said, Oh, that cat's an old soul and a healer. And he really was. I mean, people would come over when they were in trouble or not feeling well just to hold Benjamin. So just these kinds of experiences make somebody open to the possibility that there is communication among us and among all of us, whatever species. So Exactly. Go ahead. And, and this is a gift that I feel that um, that everyone has, that we all have the gift to communicate with, well, not only with animals who are living in body, but also our loved ones in spirit, both human um, and animal. And um, so when we align ourselves with that core dimension of us, which I feel is all love and compassion and non-harm, then our inherent abilities and gifts um, and the deeper awareness of the interconnectivity that you mentioned between all of us can, you know, really come forward. And um, and that's what happened for me when I became vegan, which was a whole story in itself of how that, you know, came about as well. Well, tell us that story. Well, um, it really was a total soul-changing, life-changing experience. And it was about two days before Thanksgiving, um, 18 years ago. And um, I had family coming in, and I was having a pre-Thanksgiving dinner at my house. And um, I was cooking, what, or preparing to cook, um, what I referred to at the time as a pork roast. So I was holding, um, you know, the part of this pig's body, and I was at the time, I'm going to say, a full-fledged fledgling of, you know, societal programming. And the last thing that I was thinking of was that this body part had once been a living, breathing, feeling animal. And I was totally into thinking about other things and still need to clean my house before my dad came in and what else I was going to cook and what I was going to do tomorrow. Basically everything besides, you know, who this animal had really been. I was totally into the programming. And then suddenly, um, spontaneously, totally unexpectedly, um, something happened that I never experienced before. And that was that I had a psychic empath experience in which while I was holding this pig's body part, I felt on all levels and I saw um, a slideshow of the horrific pain and suffering that this pig had suffered both during um, her his life and also in, you know, in transition and death. And this was so intense that I and voluntarily dropped the body part in the sink. I couldn't maintain my grasp any longer. Um, my legs were suddenly weak, that my breath was knocked out of me you know, temporarily, and I literally um, crumpled in a heap to the floor. Um, and there was no doubt, just the intuitive um, you know, awareness that I had so far, even though it was previously a bit rustic, was that this animal had been extremely abused unspeakably and really over a long period of time. 
And at that time, though, I didn't know anything about factory farms. Um, honestly, didn't even know they existed. Um, didn't know about slaughterhouses. And um, but later, when I found out, um, the sense that I had during this experience really matched some of the you know most horrendous abuses of those um, those institutions. And um, and I also knew as I was crumpled there on the floor that what I was experiencing that this animal felt and um, went through was really just a droplet of what, you know, had really been experienced over a long period of time. And so um, here I was on the floor, and I remember exactly um, what I said to myself. It's just etched into my, you know, my soul, and that was, that's it. I don't want to ever cause even one more animal to suffer this way. And I don't know if it's possible for my body to be vegan because I had some health concerns at the time. But even if it's impossible, I said, I'm going to make it work, period, end of story, end of discussion. Those are like the exact words I said to myself. And I didn't need it, but, you know, a couple of days before that, I had... um asked my, you know, my intuitive helpers. Um, I'd sent off my first CD, and it was a really happy time for me. I was waiting for all these CDs to come back. And, and I'd said, just show me whatever I need to do to be the most compassionate human that I could possibly be. Um, always just straight shoot it to me. So here I was crumpled on the floor. I'd made my decision, you know, deep in my soul, my quantum, um, you know, leap. But I heard this spontaneous message thought um, just popped into my mind. And it was, if you want to be on the path that you say you want to be on, you can no longer eat your animal friends. Um, and so from I had to really work to pull myself up off the floor. I was still so weak, and I held on to the counter. Um, and I made my way into another room to a family member and said, you know, that's it. I'm, I didn't even know the word vegan yet. <laughs> I knew vegetarian. I thought vegetarian was veganism. And I said, you know, that I don't eat or wear animals anymore. Um, and the next day or two days later was Thanksgiving, and I went to, um, you know, a sibling's house, and there was, you know, the turkey and all of the usual animal um, foods from animals and um, ate other things that were there. I took some food, and I remember just sitting in this glow of this interconnectivity um, and just completely um, at peace, you know, in my choice. And the last part I have to say, this which is really sad to me, but I think really is um, evidence of how strong, you know, the programming can be, is that I had the experience from that moment on the floor, I stopped eating almost all animals. I stopped dairy. I started using cruelty-free products. I quit, you know, wearing leather, um, everything except somehow I managed to convince myself that I still needed to eat fish, um, which was really sad to me. Um, so I continued that for um, two or three years. I convinced myself I just that fish didn't experience pain or fear. And then um, several years later, I saw some information about the the tuna and the dolphins and the dolphins being hurt in the tuna nets. And then, of course, also information that, of course, fish do feel pain and fear. So from that moment that um, I grasped that information, then I became fully vegan. So uh-huh. I've now been living a, a vegan lifestyle for 14 years. Oh, that's beautiful. And, you know, sometimes I think those of us who weren't able to make an immediate transition, that that's all part of the plan, too, because if we were all saying, well, I just did it. I mean, it was easy for me. I don't know why you can't just do it. But when we're able to say, like you just said, you held on to the fish for a while, I relapsed back to fish several times. I held on to the dairy and the eggs after I became vegetarian at at 18. I I was um, 33 when I finally went vegan. So I'm not proud of that, 
but it was my process and hopefully sharing that will bring in as many people as if I had been able to say, yeah, one, one day I was, one day I wasn't. But something, Kathy, that you said about what happened to you when you held this, this piece of, of an animal reminds me of something that Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, wrote way back in 1931. He said, we make intimate mental contact with the psychic terrors of our little sisters and brothers of the animal world when we devour their fear-shattered bodies. Our vague fear of impending danger, our troubled sleep, our dread of the future, and numerous other unidentified mental complexes may and often are the echo fears of the brutes whose flesh we have entombed in our stomach. That is so profound, and I totally agree with that. Yes. Because you experienced it. Yes, I did. Um, I did in those moments and very spontaneously, and that, that really does describe very eloquently um, what I experienced, as though the emotions of the animal were my own, the fear, the beyond fear, the terror, um, everything. It was, it was it's really hard to express into words. It really was a vibrational, um, you know, energy and emotional as well as physical experience. And I know that this happens whenever people are open. Uh, the filmmaker Michael Moore had an experience, I guess now it was about five years ago, he was at a, a nice restaurant and ordered a piece of bison that was evidently you know, well commented on and supposed to be very good. But when it showed up on the plate, he just couldn't eat it because it was a being and he'd never had anything happen to him like that before. And he thought the next day he would be normal. But he wasn't. And so that led him to stop eating four-footed animals. And I know he's been trying to move vegan word. Don't know uh, how well he's doing with that. But I, I know that, you know, he was just one more person out there in the world who had some kind of experience that this meat was indeed an animal. That is so amazing. And, you know, I really feel, don't you feel that we're, you know, the planet is really moving towards that we're all becoming, you know, more intuitive, more open, more empathic. And, you know, I think what's eventually going to happen is that we're really going to be able to feel when we're doing something, even unknowingly, is harming someone, and then we can make adjustments, you know, in our our behavior and our um, actions. But I, I do really feel that people are opening up and having these experiences because I'm, I'm hearing of those as well. And it's a wonderful time to be alive, a wonderful time to be talking with Kathy Landry. You can find her on Facebook at The Intuitive Vegan. And also her website is soundhealingangelcoaching.com. So do check out Kathy Landry. And we will be back right after these messages with more. And if you want to join the conversation, try us at 888-558-6489. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. 
In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm Victoria Moran, and my guest is Kathy Landry. She is a psychic. She is a psychic medium, and she is an animal communicator. You can find her on Facebook at The Intuitive Vegan. Now, Kathy, you've said that when you became vegan, your psychic abilities really picked up. How did that happen? Yeah, they did. And, and you know, again, before I was just doing what I would call kind of rustically maybe before, and it really was immediate um, after becoming vegan that um, when I would be doing some, you know, the angel intuitive sessions, kind of the angel readings, and um, people's animals, their animals who, in their animal family living in body would pop in with messages, and sometimes they would see descriptions of them, or um, and also um, animals who had transitioned, who are in spirit, and humans who are in spirit. You know, all of that just suddenly, uh, they would just start to step in, and, and the intuition, the messages, and the perceptions became um, much more highly specific. I had names, started to have names come through, very intricate, you know, scenarios um, come through. And um, so all of that, again, you know, was very immediate. And I started also noticing, um, you know, really unique interactions with animals, you know, when I would be around animals um, as well. So definite synchronicity with becoming um, vegan, you know, within days, within a week or two, all of this just started to happen in full-blown that's pretty remarkable. So tell us some stories. Everybody loves animal stories. Oh, I will. And what I want to just add real quickly about, um, you know, everything accelerating. I had no idea that was going to happen. You know, I made the choice for the animals out of compassion, and it never dawned on me, you know, that I would become more intuitive. So but it was this wonderful sort of, you know, icing on the cake, you know, icing on the vegan cake, right? Um, so, yeah, let me tell you some stories. Um, soon after, you know, a couple of weeks after becoming vegan, well, I was a volunteer with the Marine Mammal Stranding Network, um, but I'd really been busy for several weeks. I was doing some traveling with the music, and there was one dolphin um, whom they had they were, you know, trying to rehabilitate and release, and her name was Emma. And um, I really had only had one or two shifts with her. 
Um, but I have a friend who was also a volunteer who spent a lot of time with Emma, and she called me while I was out of town, and she said, you know, Emma's been very depressed, and she's um, the last three weeks she hasn't been eating on her own, so it's having to be too bad. And also, instead of swimming around the entire, you know, circumference of the pool, she just stays right in the middle. She's not really very interactive with us, and we're really worried, you know, could you come and visit Emma? And again, I wasn't even doing yet, like, the dialogue with animals and all of that quite yet. Um, it was just right there on the edge of all that starting. Um, but she just knew I had a deep connection, and she said, you know, would you just come and visit her? So I went to visit, and I just walked in, and I stood at the edge of the the pool. And really, again, I wasn't sending her messages about, you know, would you eat or, you know, swim more or feel better or what's going on. I was just sending her love and appreciation. It was an energy. And it was an energy from, I felt, the depth of my being that had made this choice, um, you know, of how, where I hold animals, you know, all animals and how I live my life with that. And uh, it was just, you know, a sense of equality and solidarity. So I was just sending this vibrationally and energetically to her, feeling that to her. And after about a minute, I had my eyes closed, and after about a minute, I heard all this whispering. There were, like, other volunteers there. There were a couple of supervisors and all this stirring, stirring, stirring around and whispering. And, and after a couple more minutes, I opened my eyes, and Emma had come from the center of the circle right up to the edge of the pool. And she was, you know, what we call spy hopping, where she was upright, um, with their head, you know, upright, kind of like how a human stands upright, and sort of interacting with me and, you know, trying to get my attention. And um, quickly, you know, everyone said, oh, let's see if she'll eat, you know. And so they did, and she ate on her own. And so one of the supervisors came over and said, what were you doing? Like, what were you communicating to her? Is that something you can teach us? Like, how many months would it take of a class for you to teach us? Because we could help these dolphins so much more if we could communicate with them and help them get well, and they can go back to the ocean. And so I said, well, it's really not that difficult, but I'm happy to, you know, to teach you. And then um, sadly the next week um, the, that person got a new job and someone else came. It was a wonderful organization and we loved the dolphins. They did beautiful work, but they weren't you know, quite so open. It never happened. Um, and then Emma um, was euthanized several weeks later. She had some neurological issues that, they couldn't help her with, and she they thought she was beginning to really suffer. But, you know, really an example of, you know, not even including the kind of dialogue and the in-depth animal communication, but again, you know, just this energy. And what I feel um, just in my heart was that, you know, the other people there had spent a lot of time with her. I'd only done one or two shifts. They didn't really know me, you know, so to speak. And so I feel that this interaction she had with me you know, was not because I'm some extra special person in the universe or even of what I was doing. It was more of that she knew where she stood with me. And I feel that she knew where all animals stood with me. And she felt that I held her as an equal. And that was something that she, you know, really connected in with and wanted to, you know, be a part of that energy. And I've also had an incredible experience with a frog, too, but I can tell you. <laughs> Okay, tell us about the frog. I guess some questions about Emma. Sorry, <laughs> so excited about the frog. Was there anything more about Emma? Well, no, I'll tell you what I was going to say about Emma. I was going okay. to take the role of the skeptic. Now, I know how to do that because oh, I am sure. married to one, so I'm just pretending okay. like I'm my husband instead of me. And okay. he would say, okay, what that tells me is that humans with our extra intelligence and all that we have can get emotional feelings perhaps across to animals 
But I think what really fascinates people is what the animals say to you. That's almost like being able to enter this realm where we've not been allowed to go. So tell us about the fish. Or the, I'm the sorry, frog. the frog. The frog. Yeah, I'll tell you about the frog. And then I do have stories, too, you know, down the line I can share about what animals say to me. And very Yeah, specific. we want to know. But yeah, so the frog, um, it was several years ago, and I, there was an eclipse, and I was sitting on my driveway, and I was sitting on the ground meditating. And um, after a couple of minutes, I opened my eyes and enjoying the evening around me, and this little frog had come and was sitting next to me, about a foot from me. And she, he had one of... Um, his front arms um, sort of lifted up and kind of curled back and just very pensively, like, studying me. And we gazed at each other's eyes, and, you know, I did my love and appreciation. And after several minutes, I actually watched him hop away and go about two yards away, go under my driveway into the drainage ditch. So I closed my eyes again, and I did a couple of more um, the invocation I do that may he be dealt only compassion by the human race and other species of animals and no joy and love and all of that. But so did that for a few minutes and opened my eyes and goes around the beautiful evening. And he had come back. He had come back and was sitting next to me in the same place. And in case you're wondering, maybe there was something wrong with his little arm. He was doing the same thing, but with the other arm. Had oh, wow. Like this really, I know. It was so perfect. This is why I wanted to tell this story. Um, and it was just so absolutely amazing. And again, just looked into my eyes and we were just sort of studying. And again, this sort of energy exchange. Um, and then, you know, after a bit, he, you know, hopped away again. But um, that was, you know, all of that was it's about the time with Emma the dolphin and all of that opening up, you know, for me. And so when you do this work with animals, I presume it's a lot with companion animals, what do they say to you? Have you, have you heard anything surprising? Oh, absolutely. Um, and um, I do want to add in here that I've also worked with, um, for example, a pig. Um, who described to me the personalities of her little baby pigs, her piglets, and all of that, you know, was validated. Um, I've also communicated with animals who are suffering in factory farms and slaughterhouses. And last January, the huge pot of dolphins in January in Taiji um, that was captured and, you know, many of them killed, many of them um, imprisoned and um, and I tried to do some work with them of helping the families and some were through a transition other ones still living and and through their grief you know just trying to support them and reinforce their continued um, connection so so we definitely can also communicate of course with wild animals and um, animals in all kinds of situations but but yes with the companion animals um, I found that all non-human animals they're astoundingly proficient communicators both ones living in body and after they've transitioned. And one example I'm going to give you is one of Charlie. And this was a, a dog who had a transition and I knew nothing about. I didn't know what kind of dog, what breed of dog or anything at all. Just his name is all. I want to know name, gender, and species, no dog, cat, pig. Um, and first thing he showed me was an image of himself 
and one of his eyes, when he was looking at you, actually sort of looked a bit to the side. And later my client emailed me a picture later after the session that was definitely um, him. He had one eye that did that. And that was an indicator. He did that as an indicator so that the guardian would know that, you know, this was him, and um, which was very beautiful. Um, then he um, described to me some of it through imagery and some of it through um, actual words. And the thing I want to say that you sort of touched upon as well is um, really the animal's limitations to communicating with us is only according to any ceiling that we put on it that has to do with our programming and our paradigms. In other words, experience that there is no ceiling, and they, can, they, will, they will show some things through imagery and pictures, some things through will come to you in a language you know, that you speak like dialogue. So he showed me um, that he had an awareness of processes that had been going on in his body that had led to his transition. You know, that was validated. It was, um, you know, highly intricate that he described um, what some things look like in his body, that sort of thing. Um, And he actually gave me the full name, first and last name of a human, and just the name came through from him, and it ended up being an experience the name, the exact name of an extended family member of the guardian, you know, of my client. And not only that, but Charlie, the dog, um, he also um, shared with me, um, which, you know, was not a violation of privacy because it ends up my client, you know, knew what was going on, but he shared that he knew some emotional concerns going on with that family member. And not only that, but he gave insights as to what he felt from his perspective um, might, that the, the family member could do for herself to support herself and help her with the, the healing and processing of that. I mean, all of that was validated as being, you know, right on. And then also he suggested that mealtimes was a time that the family missed him the most. And so he suggested that they hang a photo of him and he described that he wanted to be at the, the dining table, the head of the table, end of the dining table, right there on the wall near where the husband would sit to eat. And in that, they said that when they would have meal, meal times were very important. The family always had meals together. And um, Charlie would lay on the feet of the husband there oh. at, the, at the table. And so, indeed, they did. And she said, I know what photo. I, we, we were planning to hang a photo. We were feeling that, but we didn't know where to hang it. So they hung it exactly where, you know, Charlie suggested in the, in the session. And it brought a lot of healing to them. So those, you know, that is just a lot of example of, you know, no limit to what they can bring through. And then kind of similarly, there's another dog, um, Cliffy, and um, who transitioned. And, again, I didn't know anything about him or the family or other animals in the family or anything. I don't, you know, ideally if it's a first-time client, I want to know as little as possible. It's more profound for the, the guardian. And he showed me... Um, an image of himself laying on his tummy with his back legs straight up behind him. And then I heard the phrase, back legs unusable. Um, And that ended up being validated. He was a rescue dog. It it had been hit by a car before that and, you know, was paralyzed in his back legs and walked with a little wheelie chair and all of that. Um, And then he also described what he felt went on with his body when he transitioned. And then he spontaneously told me that there was a female dog also in the family, who was very bonded with him, who was very worried about, who was very deeply grieving and having some really major issues. 
and it ends up there was a female dog, and she was having major separation anxiety since his transition, and the family tried, like, everything. They really were sort of at their wit's end of how to help this dog who barked incessantly and, you know, tearing things up and just really having a difficult time. And then Charlie proceeded to to suggest what might help her, <laughs> and they were things ranging from how the guardian, how the family could help the, you know, the still-living female dog to relax and feel Charlie's presence on her own so that he could communicate directly with her. But the, the thing he suggested that was so paramount is that... ...of her collar. And I'm thinking, well, of course they do, or Charlie wouldn't suggest it. And they did, and they put his collar on her, and they said it was immediate, the transformation in her, that she calmed down and, you know, felt him still with her, whatever all that she felt, and that she was from that moment on, a, you know, a happy dog again. Wow. Um, these these yeah. stories are so fascinating. And I know that there are people out there, my husband over there in his office would be one of them, and, and people <laughs> listening who, who just, even the idea of speaking with humans who are no longer in the body is just beyond their right. comprehension. But I love the idea of stretching because there is more to heaven and earth, Horatio, as Shakespeare said, Uh that you've dreamed of in your philosophies. I saw a psychic medium, my old roommate from when I lived in London when I was 18, had said, I finally found a psychic who was as good as the one that we saw back in London way all those years ago. So I made an appointment with this man. It took me five months to get in to see him. And he said, well, you have quite a group here. And I said, okay. And he started naming names of my mother, my father, my first husband who had passed away, our dog Aspen, and James, who was my 16-year-old stepson who died in 2007, and and they they came through and had to say what they had to say, and then James came, and he was such a, a kid who liked to joke, and that anyway, I happen to believe that it was James, and with all due respect to my husband and James's mom, who may not believe that, but James said, even over here, I have to stand behind the dog. So, <laughs> I, I oh just, gosh, it was Love charming. That. Charming. Oh, that's and amazing. So, yeah, so like that. And when these when these things come through that are so validated, you know, yes. you, you really yeah. have to kind of stop and look. And you know, the animals who are living in body, um, I experienced the same with them of what they send through. Like I was working with a cat recently and he started um I didn't know anything about it. he started describing some things about how his bladder felt and it ends up that he was actually being treated for a bladder infection and then he went on to tell me why he was being so mischievous with other animals and there was concern of another elderly cat in the home and and he said I'm being very mischievous and this is why I feel I'm doing it and these are some things that I feel might help me to kind of process through that um and then I had a cat that was asked um if he liked his name, a little rescue cat, but he wasn't responding to his name. And he actually told me, so, well, I really would rather be called, it was a very specific name, Figaro, um, or some Italian name, but I, I really like Figaro. And the guardian just started laughing because she said that that was one of several names they had considered for him. Um, and so they changed his name to Figaro, and then now, you know, he responds to it. 
Um, oh, I, I love that. And I, Kathy, we, we just are about to have to, to oh, uh, call it quits here, but how can you be reached if someone wanted to contact you about your services? Well, on my website, I'm soundhealingangelcoaching.com. Um, my phone number, can I, am I allowed to get my phone number? Sure. Okay, it's 281-954-6972. That's 281-954-6972. Um, I can also be reached, of course, my email is on my website as well, and I can be reached by my Facebook um, page, which is The Intuitive Vegan. And I do offer private sessions, um, by phone, animal communication sessions, psychic medium sessions for both human and animals, um, angel intuitive um, readings, and also have teleclasses, animal communication teleclasses, psychic medium teleclasses, and angel communication teleclasses as well, all taught over the phone. Oh, well, it sounds like something that I would love to take one of these days. So thank you so much, Kathy Landry, for being our guest today. You are so welcome. And everybody listening, tune in next week. Our guest will be Keith Akers, author of Lost Religion of Jesus. And I'm going to have a charming young co-host, Charles Shen of rawyouth.org. Gosh, I wish I had been raw as a youth. Oh, well, I'm pretty raw now. And life is all about today. Everybody out there, God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself, Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now in the silence to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith 
that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past, Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts. 